When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? It is Sunday night special impromptu edition of the shout football podcast free agency primer edition in fact because you know before you know it ryan i mean we're less than a month away from the start of free agency and things are going to start uh flying i think rumor wise news wise is is rosters kind of start to take shape in a month before that ever happens we're going to probably even see you know, a bunch of more players, you know, released as teams try to get under the cap and get all those things figured out. So this is just kind of the calm before the storm. And we're going to get it in, in the thick of things this week, get a couple of stories out. Um, uh, you're going to be putting out a story where you're actually going to be Brandon Bean, kind of go through the off season. Um, and I'm going to put up my my top 50-ish free agent targets and be a little bit different this year, but take people through what they can expect with that story. Yeah, so I, I'm going to put on my GM cap and, and go through and be realistic because the Bills right now, you know, they're, they're coming off an AFC championship appearance. They're going to have limited cap space. They might be able to make one or two, I don't want to call them splash moves, but I think J.J. Watt, for instance, would qualify as a splash move. Uh, but for the most part, you know, they have to do some uh, some bargain shopping. They have to go to Ollie's, so to speak rather than maybe go to the boutique. So they, they have to find some guys that can fit this team, uh, but also make sure that you're staying on that trajectory of being an AFC championship team and, and being in the mix year in, year out. So it, it's been interesting because in years past, it's, you know, they've had a lot of cap space. Let's go out and make some flashy moves. This is a more more of an interesting puzzle to, to fill in the pieces between free agency and the draft. So I'm going to kind of put on, like I said, my my Brendan Bean cap and and do my best to address needs while being realistic. Yeah, in in the the past two years, uh, I've put out my top 50 free agent targets with a Bill spin on it because you know what Bills fan wants to read a, a, a list of 50 targets with quarterbacks on it after obviously <laughs> drafting Josh Allen and, and the success that he had this past season. So we take out kind of all of the you know, extra fluff as you kind of going through all these free agent lists that are kind of overarching. And we, we specify it, like, you know, add some specification to it just for a Bills fans experience. And we're going to do it a little bit different this year. I've been talking to 
uh, Ryan about it. Um, and, and we're going to break it up into three tiers. And we're going to talk a little bit about those tiers tonight. The first tier is they'll help you, but it's going to cost you. The second tier is, you know, realistic targets. And, you know, the monetary part of things is not going to be over the top or crazy. And then the third, <laughs> great, great. I always go to Ryan for the for the quippy, uh, quick little uh, hitters, and he, and he just came up with the dream on category where, you know, in a perfect world, uh, Shaquille Barrett, uh, edge rusher, would be beautiful and perfect. But uh, those are going to be uh, – that's going to be a very costly move uh, for whoever makes it. And just players like that, just as good as they'd be, it just probably wouldn't make as much sense. So let's start with they'll help you, but it'll cost you. And, you know, the, I think that there is – it's interesting because – I think that JJ Watt can go in this kind of bucket and he could also go in the realistic targets bucket. And we talked a lot about it over the last couple of weeks, Watt, as that story has kind of progressed, but he's somebody that I think if, if you're the bills, the big thing here, Ryan, is there's so much maneuverability with what they can do around the cap. And I know they're not going to sit here and take the eight to 10 players where they can kind of gain some room by either moving on from a restructuring and, and just do all of that. But there's enough dollars there that I think that can make it, you know, maybe one or two of these big ticket items or, or borderline big, big ticket items are a little bit more realistic. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's perfect the way you said it, because, you know, I've always said that the cap space, it's, it's kind of a myth because it, it felt like for years, the New Orleans Saints were pressed up against the cap, and every year they would make a splashy signing, do this, that, or the other, because they would kick it down the road. Now, has it caught up to them? It sure seems that way. It seems like now they're going to have to make up for all that year, those years of kicking it down the road. Uh, but I don't see Brandon Bean being reckless. But like you said, there are moves that can be made that can free up uh, 20, 30 plus million dollars, and then the Bills can go out and address those needs. Uh, but be smart about it. Like you said, address some guys that are in that little pricier area, but then also go out and get some guys that fit the mold of, okay, they're not going to break the bank. They're a fit though, from what we're looking for from a culture standpoint or, or our need standpoint. Uh, and, and then we, they can have that roster that hopefully is contending for a championship again in 2021. So let's start with, um, you know, this maybe pricier uh, list of players. And, you know, there's a few people in this group. I, I actually included Matt Milano on this in this group because he's going to get paid. I mean, John Warrow put out a report uh, on Friday uh, that basically indicated that he is going to test free agency and why wouldn't he? I mean, you know, when you're you know, a three-down coverage linebacker in this league, you're, you're, you're going to tend to get paid. I mean, we've seen some, some deals over the last couple of years where, you know, kind of eye-popping stuff where you're like, Man, I think most Bills fans were kind of anticipating, you know, the cringeworthiness of whatever this ended up being for Milano. So he's somebody that I think the Bills could probably re-sign if they really put their mind to it and figured it out and, and, and felt like that was something completely necessary. But I think there's some bigger needs on this on this team. I think we've talked so much about edge rusher and there's, you know, a couple edge rushers that, you know, you kind of have targeted here. Yeah, uh, and these are names that I've mentioned before, but Carl Lawson and Romeo Aquara. If the Bills miss out on J.J. Watt, because you know the, the longer this goes on, the, the more time maybe he he's waiting for some teams to create some space, or he's looking to wait and see what happens elsewhere in the league. Uh, if he does keep waiting, or if the Bills are out on him, because we don't really know if they're they're truly uh, in on him right now. We we've heard the the interest was mutual, but the dollars attached to him could keep the Bills from being a true suitor for his services. 
Uh, I think the two names that I mentioned, Lawson and Aquara, make a lot of sense. Now, I'll start with Aquara. Aquara had a 10-sack season this year in Detroit. Uh, very impressive. Now, I will say, though, he, he only had about 18 quarterback hits. So the hit-to-sack ratio, it was actually kind of close there. Uh, so was it a fluke season where, you know, he was getting to the quarterback and it was resulting in sacks for, for whatever reason? Uh, can you expect more of that? Who knows? But the, the big thing there is he's going to be 26 years old this year. So it, there's a good chance that he is just hitting his stride and he, he is going to get better over time. Uh, right now, his estimated uh, cap space or his estimated deal would be $10.1 million on average per season. I don't think that's breaking the bank necessarily, but it, it's a little bit up there for a team that has limited cap space. And then Carl Lawson is the name that I like a, a little bit more than Aquara. And when you look at the sacks, you might be sitting there and saying, well, why is that? Because he only had five and a half sacks. Lawson had 32 quarterback hits. That's a, that's a, a good jump from 18 that Aquara had. And, and although they didn't all result in sacks, he was getting after the quarterback regularly. He had a lot of success. Same thing. He's going to be 26 years old this year. Uh, a lot of upside to his game. So if you miss out on J.J. Watt, there are options out there that, one, could not could end up being cheaper than him two are younger than him and three they might just be entering their prime um i think that that is i think these are two great targets the one thing that worries me a little bit about aquara the more you kind of look into them to these two and kind of put them you know pound for pound against each other number one it looks like aquara might cost you a little bit more uh, than Lawson, but Lawson, I think, has a little bit more consistency in terms of he's had this kind of season before. I mean, 59 pressures, according to PFF, uh, three years ago, had was over 60 and had it more than Aquara this year. This is kind of a one-year sample size with Aquara, and I think that that's the part for me that gets a little bit um, concerning, but I think that you do need to address the edge position. And one guy in particular that, you know, as I'm looking back at last year, and how this all you know transpired and some of the targets that we were talking about last year. One guy that I, I really liked, if you remember us talking about him, was Emmanuel Agba, who ended up going to Miami. He was an absolute pressure-causing force for, for the Dolphins. And I think that um, I you look at um, what they were able to do on that defensive line, they spent a lot of money on like a Kyle Van Noy and a Shaq Lawson, gave Agba like this kind of lower tier deal. And he comes in here and tears it up in, in his first season in Miami. And I think you got to kind of find that groove. You got to find, you got to maybe figure out a way to tab a, a, a target that maybe hasn't filled the stat sheet before, isn't going to command that, you know, 10, 11, 12, unless you can get like a JJ Watt because. I will say, like I've I've been trying to you know have as many conversations as, as I as I could have, uh, considering the fact that we're in a pandemic. And the sense that I get is that the belief is around the league from conversations I have that JJ Watt can come in, especially in a situation like this in Buffalo, where he would kind of be able to take a drop off in snap count, and he could be really effective. So if you take a J.J. Watt and think, okay, we could take him from 90-ish, 85, 90% of snaps per game down to 70 even, which would have led the Bills' defensive line last year, then you're getting like premier J.J. Watt, you think, even at his age and you know the fact that he hasn't had a big sack season in a couple of years. So you make that investment in that case, I believe. But if you can't get that, Right. And, you, and if you have to go down to that next tier, whether or not you think Lawson or um, Aquara are in that tier or not, I think you can make an argument that, you know, Lawson 
might be a guy that really could be one of the premier edge rushers. When we look back at, at this this group this year, next year, it could be a similar situation to Ogba, and you could see 60-plus, 70 uh, pressures, again, depending on the situation that he that he lands in. Um, but I think this comes down to you know Brandon Bean, their pro personnel department. Who can they tap? I think one of the guys that we all thought was somebody that can – maybe be that kind of answer this year was Quentin Jefferson. It didn't really materialize for a bevy of reasons. I mean, if you, you go with the fact that there was no Starla Tula, you go with the fact that they were kind of playing him out of position for most of the year. So I think that, you know, I would like to see Quentin Jefferson back again next year. Uh, I don't know if it's at the, the current rate that he's getting paid right now, but I think that edge rusher, no doubt about it. Like you mentioned, it has to be addressed. And I think that those two names that you brought up, are, are intriguing options. Yeah, and, and that's to say, I love what you said about Agba. You have to find those guys that uh, might fly under the radar a little bit, might not be commanding top dollar, but you feel, one, they're a fit to your scheme, and two, their best football is ahead of them because he, you like what you had out of A.J. Epinesa this year, especially in the second half. He, he, he dropped a lot of weight. He showed some flashes. But at the same time, you know, what are you going to get out of him in year two? We don't know. It would be nice to have someone – that can fill that role this upcoming year in, in terms of being the, the main guy to get after the quarterback, to get the pressures. And Jerry Hughes isn't getting any younger on the other side. Hughes absolutely will be here in, in 2021. He's a leader on this team, but you have to start thinking, okay, he's not going to be here for that many more years either. So even if it's a guy that has that uh, versatility that could play on either side uh, of the line, I think that would also help Buffalo when it comes, when, when all is said and done. Now, uh, who were some of the guys that you had on this list? So a couple of things I asked in the, um, in the chat, if, if everybody got a notification, because, um, I always get nervous with that. We went to the new YouTube page and, um, I, I th somebody said on Twitter that they didn't get a, a notification last time. So we'll work on that. Technically, if we don't, I see a couple people respond in the comments. They did get the notification. So awesome. Great news. Um, secondly, we're going to have a big free agency salary cap, uh, just bash on Wednesday night. It's going to be Mike Gennetti uh, from SpotTrack.com and uh, Greg Thompson uh, from Cover One, who just is really on the money, uh, literally, with uh, all the salary cap stuff. I'm, I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, I, I listened to his salary cap uh, special on the Cover One channel in the last few days. It was really good, and I'm looking forward to following up. He's got some fun ideas, and I think fans will really enjoy that. So we'll dive into the numbers part of it a little bit more on Wednesday. But this was just kind of get your you – wet your appetite for some players. And one player in particular that I've really kind of grown a lot more interested in in the last couple of days after I think, you know, early on in the process, I, I, I kind of thought – he might be out of the Bills price range, and I thought he was kind of one of the top corners on the market, especially at his age. But he had kind of a down year last year, and that's uh, Shaquille Griffin uh, from uh, Seattle. I think he is a guy that is going to have the full attention of the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, the Seattle connection. I don't think Dan Morgan was there when when they drafted him and, and all that, but he obviously still has people in that organization uh, that he's probably close with. This is a guy that excels in um, zone coverage. Uh, his, I think he's one of the top 10 corners when it comes to uh, pro football focus and uh, grading out um, cornerbacks. And, you know, right now on PFF, they're – uh, prediction is that he's going to land a three-year, twenty-eight and a half million dollar deal. If you can come in anywhere around there, and I know, like, listen, there's excitement around Dane Jackson. You're probably going to bring back Levi Wallace. 
but I think that there is a belief, you know, from conversations I have, I think even within the organization that they need to elevate the level of play at that second cornerback spot. You know, you can add edge rushers and, and we've seen in previous years that, you know, teams take, take shots on guys and, but you never know if that's going to pan out. And if you can't generate that consistent playmaking pressure with your front, you need to be as good as possible in the secondary. And I think with Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, you're set at those three spots. I even think Taron Johnson, the way that he played in the second half of the season, and maybe if the Bills can address that big nickel in the draft, you're really set at a lot of the secondary positions. You need to lock down that cornerback number two. And I think you, you bring in a guy like Shaquille Griffin, pair him with Tredavious White, take some of the pressure off of him. He doesn't have to be that kind of elite number one guy. Not that to say that he even was in Seattle, but I, I think that he comes into this, this organization with Leslie Frazier, obviously Bobby Babbage in the secondary, John Butler in the secondary, and Sean McDermott himself, who's kind of like the, the DB whisperer in a lot of ways. Hmm. I think that that's worth the money. And, and it's some of these contracts that we're talking about when you got to kind of sneak upwards of 11, 12, $13 million a year. This is one where I think you can really stomach and the talent level that I think that you're getting makes it really worth it. Yeah. They're going to do something at cornerback number two. You can't go into the season just depending on Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, you know, Levi time and time again has stepped up and, and been cornerback number two. He has a lot of experience, but he is athletically limited. There are certain things he does not do well. There are times he gets beat. There are times he gets picked on and, and he gets targeted a lot and he gives up a lot of receptions, a lot of yards uh, because there's, like I said, there's just certain things he can't do and that's okay. If he's a part of your rotation, uh, I don't know if they want him to be the guy anymore. Now, Dane Jackson, how did he look this year when he was on the field? He was great. He was making plays almost every game. Interception against the Jets, first play against the uh, against the Seahawks. He, he makes a big tackle uh, pretty much for a loss. So he had those flashes. But you can't go into 2021 saying, this guy's going to be our number two cornerback with, what was it, like less than 200 total snaps this season. It, it would be way too big of a risk. Brendan Bean, Sean McDermott, they have brought in a veteran cornerback every single year. Some of them more flashy than others. This past season was Josh Norman. They've brought in Kevin Johnson. They've had our, our, uh, EJ Gaines quite a few times. Uh, so <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they just take another flyer on EJ Gaines and like, show up to camp. Let's do it on one in. more time. Let's, let's dance right. one, more, one more year. <laughs> you never know, right? So – it wouldn't surprise me, but at this point, maybe they're saying, okay, we need to invest a little bit more, get a little bit younger, and again, find someone, like you mentioned, in Shaq that has a little bit more of that upside that could serve as cornerback number two. You know, I've seen a little bit of this in the chat, and when it comes to Watt, there's so many facets to what I think makes him worth that kind of big swing that I that Brandon Bean said that they weren't going to take. And I think a big part of that is AJ Epinesa, because I think that if you can, like, I, I can't remember the name now, and I don't have the story in front of me, but one of the defensive ends, I believe, on the Houston Texans, Texans was talking about just the impact that JJ Watt had on him and the way that he developed just this year alone from, you know, learning behind JJ Watt and kind of going to school uh, behind one of the best pass rushers to do it this century. And I think that that could mean a lot for AJ Epinesa, no doubt about it. Um, and that's why I think that, you know, that there's a lot of questions about where he fits, like what he'll do at this stage of the, the, of his career. I know that there's some questions about, will he transition to more of an interior passing role and people mentioning star being back and Harrison Phillips and, 
and um, uh, and Oliver, of course. You can't have enough good pass rushers. Like, I mean, I think we saw it this year. And, you know, they they went out and they threw a bunch of darts, and I don't think a lot of them hit the board necessarily. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think even if they had to, you know, recock the gun a little bit and come back with the same bullets next year, I would probably, if I was a Bills fan, bet on, you know, McDermott, Frazier, Eric Washington in year two, figuring out with this group a little bit. I'm a little concerned about Mario Addison maybe trending down. And, you know, this was one of the things I probably feared with that deal, especially that three-year deal. Uh, Brandon Bean did a good job in some of those deals, structuring them so they can get out of them um, pretty quickly. But Addison's deal is a little bit different in that you still carry, I think, $4 million dead cap if you wanted to just walk away. Even though you're getting $6 million back, this is a, the regime that I don't think wants to, you know, uh, get the dead the dead money. Um, you know, <laughs> that's a weird comment. Um, <laughs> every once in a while, I, I'll I'll look down into the, uh, you know, I'm definitely not. My two kids are in bed right now, and they they're sleeping. They're not tweeting, so that can't be the case. Um, but you know, I think that getting a guy like that makes a lot of sense, and I think that. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of fear that goes into a JJ Watt signing because if you're the Bills, you know, are you getting the version of JJ Watt that you need him to be to take? Because if he comes in here and he's not that guy, that creates problems. And I guess to one of the commenters' points, if you don't generate a pass rush, how good is you know bolstering your secondary? I still think that it's important. I th- still think being able to cover in this league is important. But to his point. If you're not getting pressure and a Patrick Mahomes or um, you know a Deshaun Watson or whoever you want, Aaron Rodgers, if you're not getting pressure on him, it doesn't matter how good your secondary is because they're not going to be able to cover forever. Yeah, and one thing I will say if the Bills do end up getting J.J. Watt is remember the fact that Brian Gain was there in that Texans organization. There were still a lot of coaches that were there this past season that he knew. I'm sure that they've done their due diligence having Gain talk to those coaches saying, you know, what does he still have in the tank? What does he bring to the table? And I loved your comments about AJ Epineza because Epineza said he models his game after JJ Watt. So, you know, who better to have next to you or in front of you and, and actually learn from them? The guy you say, I model my game after this because Watt could give him those, those extra little tidbits of advice to help take his game to the next level. And that makes a signing like that valuable, not just for the, the one, two, three year deal that Watt might get, but four, five, six years based on however long A.J. Epineza stays in Buffalo if if he develops his game and turns into a legitimate pass rusher. So sometimes these short-term signings benefit teams even longer than the player's actual career with the team. Um, The other player that I had kind of earmarked here that I wanted to mention, you know, I'm going to stick with cornerback, and I think that, um, you know, Richard Sherman is – Super intriguing. When I first read that, you know, and I and I saw some of the numbers attached to a potential deal. I think he was playing on a one-year, eight million dollar deal this year. Um, but I think, according to PFF, they're predicting uh, somewhere around, you know, uh, I think two years, twenty-four million or something in the in that range. And I think that that's probably a little too rich for my blood uh, at his age. And even though he would be a great scheme fit, and he brings, if healthy, as CB two. I mean. I think that that's really intriguing. Um, but I do, there's this fun, I don't know if it's fun, but it's this conversation to be had about like, what does it do to a young player, like a Dane Jackson, for instance, if you're really high on him and you could tell with the way that, you know, 
McDermott, not so much, but Brandon Bean talked about it at the end of the season. There's real belief in Dane Jackson, I think. And I think to come in here and show what he showed in this in this season when he was given the opportunities, there's real talent there. There's real potential there. Now, again, of course, a, a bigger body of work. But what do you do if you bring in a Richard Sherman or a Griffin or a Xavier Rhodes, who is another guy that's in this category that I kind of want to talk to about too because – no, he was absolutely money for the Colts, especially in that playoff game. I mean, a couple more plays go the Colts' way, and they go on uh, to the next round uh, against the Bills in that uh, wild card game. You know, what opportunities will Dane Jackson have if you do spend money at the cornerback position, which I think the Bills want to do, and I think that they should do because I think that that will you know eliminate some of the problems that they had. Then. What do you do with a guy like Dane Jackson if maybe the opportunities aren't as plentiful in that scenario? The only thing I'll say is when he first came out or when the Bills first drafted him, if you looked at a lot of the scouting reports, they said he had the versatility to play inside or outside. So if he if they do bring in a veteran and they say, this guy's our cornerback number two, why not let him compete then for that slot job? I know you said Taryn Johnson uh, you know, played really well down the stretch, which he did. Obviously, he had two you know pick six touchdowns regular season and postseason that helped change the course of two different games. But at the same time, he really struggled for the first half of that season where tackling was an issue, coverage was an issue. So if you believe in Dane Jackson, let him compete there. If he can't win that job, just make him a regular part of your rotation. You can never have too many good cornerbacks. If there's injuries, he could then step up, be the next guy. Um, I would like to think that a, you know, a guy that was taken in the seventh round of the draft would realize that you know he he has a chance to win the job, but at the same time he has to earn those opportunities, earn those reps, and, and there might still be some some opportunities for him to learn from some veterans on his way up to maybe taking over one of those starting roles. Um, let's move on to realistic targets here, guys. That you know maybe probably aren't the same financial uh, commitment uh, as as the group that we were mentioning before, and a little bit of a. You know, just so you're, if you're watching this and following along and you want some reading material while you're listening or watching, head over to the website. I'm hoping to publish the 50 targets tomorrow, uh, but if not, first thing Tuesday morning, and Ryan will have his uh, Being Bean article either Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, depending on that. You can get, kind of like peruse that as you're watching this because there's going to be a lot more, you know, players to kind of look at in these different tiers uh, as we're going through it. But one, one person that, you know, really – pop for me in this group is, you know, I could probably talk about three or four different players. Um, it's, yeah. it's tough to kind of narrow it down, but I want to mention Christian Kirksey because he's somebody that we, we did our due diligence on last year. And I think it was between in the end, the Packers and the bills. He was definitely considering uh, going to the bills. He ends up going to the Packers um, has an okay season, but if you go on PFF, his coverage grade last year, about a 51 or 52, only three or four, um, grade points less than Matt Milano, who obviously is known as a great coverage uh, linebacker. Uh, somebody asked about Patrick Peterson. I think he's going to get pretty good money still, and I think he probably is going to be priced out of Buffalo. If he can get a two- or three-year deal, uh, at even that what we were talking about with Richard Sherman, I think that's going to be too rich for your blood. But even still, I thought that his game took a, a step back last year. Uh, I didn't sit there and watch every game. Um, but I, I, Patrick Peterson, for me um, – I don't think he's as much of a fit as, as maybe some of these other guys, but we'll see. And we'll see what he gets too. We'll see what all these guys get. Um, but Kirksey would, you know, if you're going to lose Milano, as it appears like we're kind of on that road, I think Kirksey is a guy that you could bring in here, have him fill in. And I think one note on him that's really interesting and intriguing, he is 
he's coming off of a couple years dealing with a lot of injury woes. If you go back to, I think it was 17 or 18, he had one hell of a year with the Browns. I mean, he was all over the place. He was kind of that sideline to sideline, um, you know, bullet style player that, you know, great tackler, great, great force on the defense. If he kind of gets a year under his belt now that he just played in Green Bay and can come back with a full offseason, get fully healthy and right, I think that that's a really affordable option to kind of um, put in there for for Matt Milano if you're if you're going to lose him. Yeah, it's smart. I mean, you you can depend on AJ Klein to a certain extent, but you want to have some other guys that can compete for that role. And, and Kirksey, when healthy, is someone that could take on that role and play it pretty well. It could also be a situation where you have a a, a placeholder, so to speak, for a draft pick. There's a lot of intriguing options in this year's draft: first round, second round, third round. Guys that could come in and compete for that Milano type role, uh, or Buffalo nickel guys, if you want to change up your scheme a little bit in terms of, of the personnel you want to have out there on the field. So it never hurts. And, and a guy like Kirksey, you know, he played 11 games this year, I believe, with Green Bay in the regular season. So there, there were some games he was out. You might be able to get him at an affordable rate. And with Milano likely pricing himself out of the market, maybe he tests the market and, and the money's not there and he comes back to Buffalo on a one-year deal. You never say never, uh, but he's going to test that market. And I think more than likely someone's going to pay the guy. So yeah, have an, an option there, a veteran option that could really come in, push a client, push a rookie, and then worst case scenario, be a backup in the event of an injury. Mm-hmm. Who's your first top target here as we t- as we move on to the more realistic, affordable options? Well, I saw his name in the chat. It's AJ Boye. And I already mentioned earlier in the show that Buffalo has brought in a different veteran every single year at cornerback. And Boye was recently let go. He's someone that makes sense for Buffalo in that he played for John Butler, Buffalo's defensive backs coach for three seasons with the Houston Texans. Uh, so he has that experience there. Uh, and I don't think he's going to command top dollar. At one point, he was making a good amount of money. He's going to start the year, I believe, two games left on his suspension. He was suspended for six games in early December. I think four of them have been played out. So he would not be able to start instantly in week one. Uh, There'd be a little bit of a suspension there, but you could bring him in, I think, at a pretty affordable rate to push for that cornerback number two job. I like it. Um, I'm going to go with two here and cheat. I know I already mentioned Kirksey, but I have two that I want to kind of put on the radar. Number one, it looks like we're trending towards the bills moving on from John Brown. Maybe there's a restructure possibility at the final hour, but that eight, those $8 million, you know, are, are vital funds. If the bills want some wiggle room here as they maneuver through free agency and even, you know, to get their draft picks done. And one guy that I think could be available, uh, in a similar type of role, Deshaun Jackson, who the Philadelphia Eagles moved on from. And I think is a really, you know, if you can get him at the veterans minimum at this point in his career, he didn't play much last year, was banged up. And you kind of wonder, is it going to be John Brown part two in that scenario? But I think the upside, I think that you're in a position that you can go to the upside with a guy like that, a proven deep threat that has speed and, you know, obviously John uh, John Ross is out there, another guy that might be interesting, and depending on what his his number ends up being. But I think that if Deshaun Jackson can get healthy and you know the role that you're going to put him in, I think it just becomes a, a no-lose situation. Another guy to talk about. I know, some of Steve Rose, he never plays. That's, that's the big t- deal about it. How much do you believe 
in your medical staff. And I know the Bills are very confident in the strength and conditioning team. You know, they've they've been able to kind of have some success stories of guys that over the last four years since McDermott and being got here of guys that were struggling to stay healthy and kind of turn things around for him. Even, you know, Josh, Josh Norman, I mean, you know, he dealt with a couple of things, COVID and, and had the hamstring issue, but they got him back. And, you know, he still played a, a pretty good chunk of the season. I know he didn't start, but um, you're right. And then there, that's something that you have to factor in. Like, like all of these different players, Kyle Gushek, one of the big pieces that I think was missing this year was um, that fullback presence. And I know that everybody was ready to move on from Patrick DeMarco and, you know, the the playoff game where Josh Allen threw it 45, 50 yards down the field to Patrick DeMarco really kind of set the stage for, for that. Like nobody wants to see that again. I get it. But I think adding a fullback and giving yourself the option of that, that blocking presence out of the backfield. And you know, I think that might've been missed a little bit and, you know, that's one of the things. I mean, this, this Bills team in 2019 ran the ball pretty well, and I think Patrick DeMarco, one thing that you could say about him was that he was a really great run blocker, and that's something that, you know, you bring in a Ushek who had said that he was considering Buffalo before he signed with the 49ers, and we, we discussed it last time about how his wife didn't want to live in Buffalo. Maybe she's had a change of change of heart since then, since Buffalo started to be a little bit more publicized. So those are a couple of my, uh, my, my uh, realistic targets, if you will. I was just going to ask, do you think his wife would allow him to come to Buffalo this time around? Because she legitimately told him, I, I, you know, I guess she was like crying or something, according to the story. And he, and he kind of went to the 49ers and said, hey, listen, if you can match this offer, I'll come to you. And sure enough, they did because Buffalo was going to land him early in free agency that year. So it, it's a funny story. It would be a very funny story to bring up with him if he does end up joining the Bills. And when he... uh meets with the media for the first time, seeing what's changed there. But I, I like that. I, I like that. And, and going back to, to Deshaun Jackson, the one thing I'll say is Buffalo rolls the dice on these players. You mentioned Josh Norman. A lot of people thought that Josh Norman had nothing left in the tank when the Bills signed him last year. And I think he proved that he was still capable. He was not where he used to be at all pro level by any means, but he was still capable. We, we joked about EJ Gaines being in Buffalo, what feels like, five or six times now, but there's always injuries attached to his name. They do roll the dice on this. And if you can get a Deshaun Jackson in here, in the door for a one-year, $1 million salary, just to see what he has left to stretch the field, I'm not against that because it's a risk-reward. When he is on the field, he still stretches the field. He can still get open deep. Now, obviously, are there other deep guys? You mentioned John Ross. You know, Ross hasn't developed into the football player that I think a lot of people hoped he would. He, he has speed, though. He has speed for days, and that's important. There's Kenny Stills, who is on the practice squad with the Bills for a few weeks. He has injuries attached to him as well, though. So if you bring him in, there's some risk there. So there are options. Now, my and don't other, forget, and don't forget, everybody's wanted to throw Chad Hall's name into potential Brian Dable replacements, mm -hmm. you know, a little over a month ago. And a big reason for that is the work that he's done to develop a lot of wide receivers over the course of time here and how much people have raved about him. So getting a guy like John Ross in the room, not only is he going to get a chance to learn from a Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley and, and company, he's, he's going to have Chad Hall as well. I think that this is a very comfortable landing spot for a guy that has all that talent that just hasn't been able to figure it out yet. But I get it too if you know people kind of think that uh, that's a lost cause. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no problem whatsoever. My my cat's actually almost about to knock over my whole setup here, so I'm a little worried. Uh, my, my second option for a realistic target, 
was was actually at tight end because I think they need to address that position as well. You don't want to go into the year with depending on Dawson Knox to be your number one tight end. You want you hope he develops and he takes another step this year. So uh, someone that is out there right now that that's going to be a free agent is Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold played in Arizona. He would give the Bills some. Uh, versatility in terms of their personnel. You could run more 12 personnel if you have a Dan Arnold. He's another guy that can stretch the field. Uh, flew under the radar a little bit. Had a 31-438-4 stat line in Arizona this past season. 25, 26-year-old range, I believe. He might be about 27. He's someone that I think w- would be an intriguing option to add to this room. Now, I will say this. If Kyle Rudolph gets released by the Minnesota Vikings, which again, he he's doubled down again recently saying, I'm not taking a pay cut. Uh, I still think I, you know, I'm worth every penny in my contract. You guys had me blocking a lot this year. I still think I bring a lot to the passing game. I think that they're heading toward a split. And if you want to bring in a veteran that can teach a Dawson Knox the ropes and can block, I know he doesn't sound happy about being a blocking option, but he did do a lot of blocking last year and still be a pass catcher he might fit into this range even more than Dan Arnold. I think that he still has a few really good years left in terms of being a pass catcher, but he also has developed his game in terms of blocking over these uh, the last season or two with Irv Smith being developed by Minnesota. I'm very interested to see how they attack the tight end position because I think you know that's one position that I think that it's really tough to get an impact player in the draft unless you're going to land a Kyle Pitts. And I think that – for the Bills to add at that position, it's going to have to be in free agency. And there's some there's some fun names out there. I think, you know, depending on the deals that these guys get, and I think this might be an interesting year in that, you know, maybe once free agency gets going, um, you, you figure Hunter Henry is going to probably be that tight end number one. And then it's John U. Smith, and you wonder how much of the drop-off is going to be to him. If you can get him in maybe closer to, you know <laughs> – I don't, I don't know what the actual number would be, but if you can land on somewhere around eight, maybe seven for him, I know that that's wishful thinking, I think, but th- then you start to really consider that, especially if you don't have some of these other positions where, where you land players that you're kind of, you know, kind of earmarking some money for. That could be an issue because I think he does – a player like that might make a lot of sense. I think Zach Ertz is a fun idea as well, maybe even via trade if you're able to take let them take some of the dead money. And, and maybe just give up a late round draft pick to get him. That would be interesting. I've seen that. I can't remember. I think I was PFF that wrote a piece on, on trades uh, and they recommended that before we get out of here, dream on category. I'm going to put you on the hmm. spot, Ryan. Yo, I one, actually, I'll go ahead. One. Yeah. One guy from this list that if you, if you were in the, if you were one of Brandon Bean's trusted advisors and he said, I, you can, we could take one big swing. We've decided we've, we've cleared out all this money. We missed on Watt. We missed on a couple other guys. We haven't made a big splash. So we feel like at this point, close one guy on this list. Who do you go with? Shaquille Barrett. Uh, Again, going back to the edge position, it is a need. He's someone though, that has literally come out and said, yeah, I'm going to go get paid. Uh, So he's not going to be settling for any kind of uh, team friendly deals. He, He, he could end up returning to Tampa Bay, I, I suppose. You win a championship and maybe uh, you take a little bit of a discount there. But he's already come out and said, yeah, I'm ready to make some money. Uh, I, I've done this where I, you know, I prove myself. I, I show that I can be a difference maker. I'm just hitting my stride. My best football is ahead of me. I'm going to go cash in somewhere. So if there was someone that I would take that swing on, that is who I would pick. Who would you go with? 
So it's two parts here. Number one, who I wouldn't go with, and I want to stop seeing this anywhere on social media. Aaron Jones, running back from the Green Bay Packers. Listen, he's he's a good player, and you know I actually traded for him myself in uh, the Dynasty Fantasy League. Uh, who, who gave him to me? Now thinking back to it, we do the media league. That's the uh, the one that Geary created. And uh, oh, Trapasso gave me uh, Aaron Jones for a future first round pick. So I like him. He's a good player. I get it. But you don't want to, in the scenario that the Bills are at right now with their roster, you don't want to put those kinds of resources and that kind of money in invested in a position where you already have two young players and Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, who, you know, one of them could be the guy, you know, Zach Moss can turn into the next Aaron Jones for all, you know. And so I think that that's just a little bit, um, you know, that's not an ideal way to attack that big money position. And I think that it's a tough year to be uh, a free agent running back. I think, you know, the, the, um, the number of teams that are kind of be vying for, you know, his services, if he wants to even get a Melvin Gordon type deal is going to be kind of tough because it's, you know, we saw Miami, they went through, you know, Gaskin and Breida and they landed on a couple other guys uh, down the stretch that kind of performed just as well. So I, I think that taking, spending that kind of money on a running back, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Since you, t- you took Barrett, who I think is the premier pass rusher, I'm going to go back to a, an old love affair that Bill's Mafia has had. And I know that, you know, it still brings a twinkle to your eye whenever you hear the name Yannick, Yannick Ngakwe. Um, maybe underperformed a little bit in Baltimore. I, I, I think it's tough when you go from the standoff with Jacksonville the trade to Minnesota, then forcing the trade to Baltimore, and way too much activity in a weird year. So I think that you, you kind of throw that out, and I think because of that, you probably can get him for a little bit more of an affordable deal than in most years. And I think that you know, if the Bills aren't at least talking about the potential of adding someone like that, uh, maybe if J.J. Watt doesn't work out or you know whatever they think about that scenario, that's somebody that I think just makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I, I agree completely with that, and, and I love what you said about the running back position. Just look at Jacksonville, undrafted free agent in James Robinson, who came in and what did he end up with? About 1,300 yards on the ground this year. You can find those gems in the draft, after the draft. There's a lot of teams that have found, that have hit on running backs late. Uh, the Bills already have two that they spent day two draft picks on. They have an undrafted free agent that could be their their number three running back who performed very well against uh, Miami in week 17. There's a um, Bills Mafia favorite, speaking of. Christian Wade actually has a chance to compete this year. So they have some options. Don't go out and get a Ferrari, which would be like an Aaron Jones, if you have three minivans that you're not already using, all right? If you're not going to use the running game and you're going to be pass, 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 don't spend a ton of money on a running back. Go with what you have. Hope one of them develop into it. Your, your guy. Like you said, Zach Moss could be the guy. Singletary was tied for the league lead in yards per carry as a rookie, so he's flashed. You don't know. The blocking wasn't ideal this past year in terms of the run game, uh, and not just offensive line, the wide receiver, the tight end blocking. Now, did Devin Singletary take a step back? Was he a little more tentative than he was as, as a rookie? I think so. I think you can make that argument. Uh, did Zach Moss miss some time with injuries and have other issues that kind of slowed him down as the year went on? Yes. But it's too early to give up on these guys and go out and spend millions upon millions on a running back when it, 
we've learned time and time again in this league, you can find guys cheap. Speaking of finding guys and making decisions and all this, uh, CR on the YouTube chat pointed out that JJ Watt just had another tweet, and Ryan has got the JJ Watch <laughs> uh, going full fledged. Uh, the apothecary tweet today was ridiculous in every way, but um, I appreciate your grind uh, at, at trying to unearth the JJ Watt decision. And somebody. Somebody just tweeted at him and was like, you want to sign somewhere or nah? And he's like, I scroll through DoorDash for like an hour before I pick a restaurant, man. You're going to have to give me a second to choose a new team and city. And it's funny, like, I, I kind of read that just now. And it's like, it's interesting. Like, he is picking a team and a city. Like, and I think one of the cool things if you're Buffalo and you're a Bills fan is that the shine that the city has gotten and received over the last year now, you know, and, and the passion that like Josh Allen has for Buffalo, that's massive. And when you're trying to recruit free agents. And so I think you're sitting in a really good spot as he's trying to figure this out. Um, and it's a weird time because he probably could have done a little free agency tour in most years, but because of COVID, I would imagine that's probably not uh, in the cards quite as much. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's we'll see where JJ Watch goes tomorrow. Yeah, I'm enjoying the tweets. I, you know, I I am just doing it for fun. I hope no one is sitting there saying that I'm taking those seriously when I'm I'm trying to put a Bills spin on them all. It's been entertaining. Uh, hopefully, we do hear from him sooner rather than later. The only thing I'll say is, the longer he waits, the more the more options that could become available in terms of key players that could get released elsewhere. And I'm not saying there's going to be other JJ Watt level pass rushers, but the more this market gets flooded with names, the harder it might be for him to find that home and to find that right fit. So do I think he's going to pick something tonight, tomorrow? No, probably not. But midweek, end of the week, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we know where JJ Watt's new home is by the end of the week, at least. All right, we said, Ryan, 20, 30 minutes max. And, of course, we always do this. We go 45. But there's so much to talk about here as we start to dip our – you know, the last, like, four or five days has just been research mode for me. And, you know, I apologize. I've not been very active uh, posting stuff. But, you know, we're going to get it going here now. I mean, the, the research has been done. We, re we really have a good feel for this free agent class now. And we are going to come at you with tons of guests over the next month as we prep for free agency. I'm so excited. I just got a really excited confirmation for a show that I didn't even tell Ryan about yet. I can't, I can't give too much away. It's going to be a little bit of a surprise, but super excited about it. It's going to be a special Saturday night edition uh, of the podcast, and it's going to come in a couple weeks. I'm really excited about that. So stay tuned. If you're watching on YouTube right now, thank you so much. And you've got a notification, which brings joy to my heart. Uh, but hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Find us on all the audio platforms. It really helps as we're trying to grow those as well. Uh, we're going to have a lot more as we move up the, to free agency. I think we're going to do some reactionary. And, and if you guys have any ideas, let me know. My DMs are open. So is Ryan. What kind of podcast do you want? Do you want more podcasts? Do you want more short little podcasts? We can start maybe breaking these up and doing uh, some different things like that. Um, but we're going to do some reactionary stuff as we move through free agency. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. At this point, we're going to have a ton of J.J. Watt coverage if, the, if he signs. But I was thinking, Ryan, how much more can we say about J.J.? We've been talking about him now for two weeks. Yeah, you know, 
there might be a spin on what he just posted. Who knows? Everyone wants to know where J.J. Watt is going, but you're right. It feels like we have definitely said uh, just about everything there is right now. Uh, maybe when we get that decision, there'll be one or two more articles. If he obviously signs, there's going to be a lot more than one or two articles. But, you know, we'll see. It seems like uh, people are – all eyes are on J.J. Watt right now, and I, I think I think a little part of him likes that. Indeed. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We will be back on Wednesday night with Mike Gennetti from SpotTrack.com, Greg Tomset from Cover One. Enjoy the two and a half hours left of your weekend, and uh, we will see you on Wednesday. Take care, everyone.